Welcome to the Travel Smart Podcast by PackPoint. I'm your host, Ben Gillenwater. This is episode six with Matt Ball. Matt is a technology executive who is living in Sydney, and uh, we used to work together at BlackBerry back uh, when I was there a couple years ago, and that's how we met, and we've uh, struck up a friendship and have remained in touch since. And Matt travels a lot for work. He's traveled a lot for fun. In fact, he and I just missed each other in, in Hawaii. Uh, he was there, unfortunately, a couple of weeks before I was. And in fact, this is coming to you from Hawaii right now. I'm on Kauai. So normally this podcast is recorded out of the LA area, but this week I am in paradise. So Matt, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Ben. I wish I was actually in Hawaii with you. That would be uh, that would be awesome, man. We got to make that happen at some point. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. when I move here and buy a massive estate, I will um, I'll dedicate a room for you. Oh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Only if it's a massive estate. That's why I, I made sure to specify that. <laughs> uh, and speaking of which, when you come visit me on my massive estate, you will have to travel there, and that's the uh, kind of the main topic of this podcast. And and one of the main things that that made me think about having you on the podcast Matt was um I like that you bring your bicycle everywhere. So I remember when uh I was living in Singapore when I was at at BlackBerry and you were in Sydney as you are now and then when you would come into Singapore for work you'd always bring your awesome bicycle. Um tell us about like what is the bicycle that you bring? What's you know because you have all kinds of cool cases for it. I remember you had some like really rad uh, I don't know what, what the better word is to use other than luggage um, to have not only the bike, but your gear and, and everything that accompanies it. And what's what's um, what's that all about? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you bet. So, Ben, the bike traveling, let me t- I'll tell you the quick backstory on that. So I've been cycling for probably about five or six years now. Is it right? No, maybe even longer. Um, and... I, you know, part of doing cycling in my uh, exercise regime is cycling like three or four times a week. It's usually at its peak, it was probably about a couple of hundred, maybe 250 kilometers per week, which is quite a lot Uh, before I, before I had my second child. Um, and at that time, uh, when I was, at that time, when we were working together, I had to travel up to Singapore once a month for probably about two or three days. And what I was finding was that, so so currently my my uh, exercise routine is uh, cycling three days a week and weightlifting uh, four days a week, which are two completely opposing exercises. One, if you're doing one, you probably shouldn't do the other, but I kind of enjoy the, each one, so I keep going. And yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's like the only way to really stay consistent on on a fitness routine is if you enjoy it, right? Totally right. Totally right. So, yeah, I enjoy both of those things. If you want to be good at one, you should be uh, giving up the other. But uh, yeah. I enjoy them. Um, and yeah, I, I was finding that I was go- I was going to Singapore. I think I remember talking to you at the time about hey, I'm thinking about bringing. It's like I got a few bikes, and I'll tell you a bit about the bike in a second, but. I think I remember talking to you about, hey, I'm thinking about bringing a bike up to Singapore. Uh, you know, do you think I could leave it either in the office or your, or your house or at the hotel? What do you think? And you you very kindly offered to have it at your house, which is at One Chen Way. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was the, the golden tower, the apartment that <laughs> was made out of gold, it looked like. It did. It totally did. <laughs> and yeah, so I started doing a bit of research around what are the options. I didn't really want to 
have uh, a bike sort of stored in Singapore full time because I, you know they're pretty expensive bikes. Oh, yeah. So I started looking into yeah, what are the options for for hauling it uh, or, or traveling with it. Uh, so I got this bike case. The brand I think is uh, Cycon S C I C O N, uh, and it's like a hard it's a hard case. So it folds out. You have to take the seat off, fold the handlebars in, take the pedals off. Uh, you can pack all your um, all your bike gear and helmets and shoes and all the good stuff in there as well. And it, off you go. You packs up, and it's a hard case on on rollers. It looks like I've had some very strange comments at the airport because it looks like it could be maybe a, a drum kit that's been packed up, very compact. Oh, like you um, flattened all your drums. They're they're like flat packed. Yeah, <laughs> the drums because they because they pack down so easy. Of course, they're like pancakes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of a mission to. Well, no, it's not actually. It, it took a little while to get used to it, but I can I can put it together in about ten minutes. Um, take it apart in about the same amount, and then I've got my bike with me wherever I am. Yeah, I was ju- I was just going to ask you the uh, the time investment. That, that's pretty good, ten minutes. So is that is that partly because your bike is built in a way that allows that or is that is that normal like to be able to pull off the pedals and and all that stuff so easily i want to say that i am so awesome a uh, handyman that 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 is just purely a time for me but that you know, we both know i'd be lying yeah and that's why uh, I, didn't, I didn't provide that option when i asked you which one was it i didn't that wasn't one of the options <laughs> so yeah it's so the bike is definitely not in any way shape or form a uh, travel bike so the bike that i use is a pinarello uh dogma um, yeah, Pinarello Dogma running. It, it's effectively, it's a pretty high end bike. Um, it's effectively about the same spec, um, if not a little bit higher than they ride on the Tour de France. Not because I'm that good, but just because oh. I like a nice bike. Yeah, um, sure. No, I, I can appreciate that. And, and, and when you say higher, is that because, is it almost like, is bicycle racing similar to car racing where they have limitations on what they're allowed to run and sort of like restrictions? Exactly right. Exactly right. So yeah. the frame, the frame is exactly the same. The running gear, like the the, the gears and the and the uh, crank and those sorts of things, are the same. The little touches, like uh, the wheels and some of the brake surfaces and things like that, uh, uh, even down to the bottle cages, uh, higher end because yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't meet. Uh, it's called UCI, which is the so exactly what you're saying in, in, from a car racing perspective. So it wouldn't have meet the minimum weight spec. Oh, wow. So fundamentally, this this thing is not designed to travel, which means yeah, unless, unless you're a professional with race team with your own, you know, private yeah. jet transporting the thing, I guess, right? <laughs> exactly, which I couldn't be further from. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Damn it. So so um, so yeah. So you so you that's not bad. So ten minutes to break it down, pack it up, put, throw all your gear in there. Um, and I've got to ask, man, I don't know, like if, you know, all the folks listening are just going to see how really nerdy I am, but this is, I want to know about the compartments. Like when you put your helmet in your shoes, are you just tossing them in there? Or does this, does this Sycon, uh, hard case have like a special molded shoe hole or how does that work? It is nearly sort of somewhere between the two. So it has a molded area for the wheels. Um, it has a molded area 
sort of generally for the frame with a bit of, you know, it's sort of designed for most bike frames. So there's a bit of, it's not that heavily molded. Uh, it does not have, oh, sorry, the, the thing that it has for helmets and, and shoes and gear, these little, um, they're basically soft bags. So you can, you can kind of choose where you, where you put stuff. I don't throw it in there because despite this, you know, this amazing case, I, I've seen, I've actually had the enormous pleasure of seeing it being taken off a plane before. And despite all the fragile logos and whatever, this thing is, uh, yeah, I think sometimes, sometimes the, not always, but sometimes the baggage handlers get a little bit of Frisbee practice in. So I I always make sure like with the shoes and with helmet, anything that can possibly rummage around in there is both packed down pretty tight, but also, uh, has soft padding around there so that if it's, you know, if it's ricocheting around the case, it's not going to scratch anything or damage anything or, you know, ca- cause issues later on. Yeah. That's what I was, I was kind of wondering about. Cause I, fi- I mean, of course you have to check it. It's way too big for carry on, but, ah, oh, man. So you got to see these bastards throwing your beautiful machine around just like it's nothing. Yes, this was in Singapore once. I remember watching as the baggage handler. For some reason, I don't know why it was that we were we, we had to stay on the plane for a little while. I'm not quite sure why we had to. I think it was around the time that there was a bit of bird flu or whatever the whatever the flu of the moment was. Yeah, um, we had to stay in the like the gate. The gate hadn't opened effectively, so we were, we were in the plane, but they're taking the luggage off. And I just so happened to be over where the baggage hold was, hold is or was, and saw you know I, I just sort of casually looking down and and I just saw this um, this guy effectively take my uh, my very prized uh, bike case and just peg it or throw it rather uh, straight on the I don't know the name of the thing that they use but the, the little buggy with the trail that yeah. they, they put all the luggage on and. All I could think of was, oh, my God, I hope it's made it through that. The second thing I thought yeah. was, I have no doubt in my mind this happens every time I fly. Yeah. I, 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 oh, man, it just it just bothers me so much. It's probably true. It's probably true. I mean, those guys don't give a damn, and, and nor, nor no. does the airline. In fact, I thought of you when I arrived here in Hawaii because, um, I, first of all, I never check a bag. Like by de- I, I will do whatever it takes to not check luggage. Um, however, yeah. this trip was a rare exception because, uh, my brother was traveling with me and he was already here and he has, uh, he's training for a movie tie fight and he has a bunch of training gear that wouldn't fit in his carry on. He needed long story short, he needed me to bring an extra bag for him. So I, I did, I took mm-hmm. a, a bag that I had, I had my carry on stuff and then I checked a bag for him yeah. that was just empty. Um, and of course it got lost. You know, when I showed up, at, when I showed up in Hawaii, it wasn't there, which is part of why I never check a bag because that just happens. Uh, anyways, long story short, there was a guy next to me at the claim counter for the luggage with a bike case with what looked like a really yeah. nice bike inside, and it was it was messed up, man. Like the the oh. forks were bent, um, oh. there were holes throughout the bike case, and it, it wasn't a hard case, which I thought the guy was insane for checking that thing in like a somewhat soft case. Like it had hard corners, but it wasn't. It wasn't a bulletproof case, which if you're going to throw your bike in, in a check bag thing, I mean, it's going to get broken if you have any soft parts on a case. Totally Um, agree. And, and the, uh, the airline reps were sitting here telling the guy, oh yeah, you know what? We don't cover bicycles. So you're screwed. (laughs) 
And the guy uh. just, I mean, so, and, and it made me think of you because not only do you travel with a bike, but the guy probably imagined that he'll go and f- have bike rides while he's either on yeah. holiday or, where, you know, whatever he's in Hawaii for. Yeah. And so that's not going to happen. They're totally never going to pay for his bike. Um, not a chance. Dude, so shitty. I just, oh man, just couldn't believe it. I felt so bad for the guy. Yeah, that's not an ideal outcome for that guy, huh? So you've uh, so your Psycon case has has proved its worth, then hasn't it? I mean, you've, you've have you made it through it, unscathed? Uh, do you know what? Once it was broken, so this is this is my second one in four years. Um, about three years ago, the one that I was using was broken again on the way to Singapore. I was. Um, I had just been to Hawaii, I'd taken my bike, and then I came back home and about two days later I had to go to Singapore. So I didn't I didn't um check my bike at, at, at when I got home because I knew I, I didn't like I didn't unpack it and reassemble it because I knew it was it was coming back out to travel uh oh, yeah. inactive duty in a couple of days. So sure. I, I got to Singapore. So I don't know if it happened at Singapore. It could have happened on the Hawaii to Sydney leg, but I opened it up and one of the wheels had, so the bike, the the case had a huge crack in it. uh, And one of the wheels was just destroyed. There there was a a carbon wheel and there's like broken splinters of carbon everywhere. Oh man. That was kind of sad. Uh, That was also very surprising for me because Part of the reason I bought this bike case was I was a sucker of their marketing, which was this, you know, that that how bulletproof this case was, and part of the, you yeah. know, if you've got a if you've got a chance to check it on, check it check it out online because they've got this video of this guy dragging it behind him in a in a truck and jumping on it and burning it and all this all this kind of stuff. Burning it, so, I love it, man. Yeah, that's, I, that's my because, kind of marketing know, right there. Bikes are always going to get burnt, burnt. Of course. Bon- grenades you know i mean you never know what could happen <laughs> it was hilarious like it is it's good you know he puts i don't know what lighter fluid or something on it and try and take times how long it takes to burn through <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm looking at it uh i'm looking at their website right now i'll have to i'll have to check it out because i uh yeah uh, but i know what you're talking about where it's just like you cannot break this bag no matter what you do and then yeah. hey those wonderful people it, yeah. and at the airlines figured out how yeah. Did I lose you, Matt? Yeah, no, I'm still good. Oh, good. Um, yeah. So, so did the so did you have to end up paying for that that wheel, or did the airline pay for it, or did Sycon pay for it? How that how that work out? No, no one wanted no one wanted to pay for it. I, I paid for it. Oh man, and I'm sure. I mean, carbon well, wheels. That's probably yeah. like twenty bucks, right? No problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, so I have um, part of my so part of my go to travel situation uh, um, preparation is I if I'm taking my bike which I probably do on 75% of my trips either domestically or, or internationally hmm. um, probably higher rate if it's more than one day I uh, so I have to tell my I've got a, a bike insurance company so that they all they do is insurance as velo sure and I send them a copy of my itinerary, tell them where I'm going to be and when and the, which bike I'm taking, and then it's covered for uh, use in that country and any oh. breakage that sort of occurs either side. So fortunately on that occasion, it was covered, which was which was handy. But, you yeah, know, the airline didn't, weren't too interested. 
Wow, good move, man. That's uh, yeah, that, that's that's a really good idea to have that because then because you just know otherwise that you're just it's it's just going to be a lost cause. So completely. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, what kind of cool stuff have you seen? What like what's the like coolest place that you've taken your bike? I know you said you took it to Hawaii. I mean, what, have you had just some amazing uh, amazing views and some I, of these rides? Yeah, I love. Yeah, I, I think a, a huge part of the reason, probably in the last couple of years, the reason I keep taking my bike with me isn't because I'm trying to maintain a certain number of you know, kilometers cycled per week type of thing. It's more around, for me, the experience of having my bike with me when I'm traveling. Uh, I, you know, I get to know a place so much more intimately than if I'm, you know, just walking around or, or you know, driving around or whatever. Uh, you know, I really, you really feel like, from my perspective, that I get to know the area. You know, you get to know the people yeah. well as much as you can do with when you're riding past on the bike. But you get, you know, you get to certainly get a way better understanding of how things work, where things are, uh, uh, and and you know where various different places are. So. I think the answer to your question on the what's some of the craziest stuff I've seen? Wow. So that is <laughs> a good good question. The irony is most of my cycling, it used to be a lot early, but most of it occurs you know, pretty early in the morning, like five it used to be it used to be around sort of five thirty, five o'clock, five thirty in the morning. So wow, that is early in, man. Super early. In Singapore, the coolest thing that I saw there and also strangest was it was just before seven o'clock in the morning, which is when the sun comes up in Singapore all year round. Um, and I was on this particular uh, bike route up to um, what's it called? Not Changi, maybe Changi. Oh, like the uh, like? Uh, is it out towards the east coast? Uh, the park that's by the beach and all that kind of stuff, or past that? Way past that, I'll have to I'll have to remember the name of the ride, but it's basically a, a short version of a round the island uh, ride, and it goes up through the forest, like a forest land. What's it called? Oh. Cran- no, Cranji. I don't even know there was such a thing Cranji, in Singapore. Does it make, does it, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm riding through this um, at this on this particular ride by myself. Um, because I've got this function on my Garmin bike computer where you say how many kilometers do you want to ride and it'll work out a, a route for you. Uh, yeah, that's and really so cool. Following this route is such a great app, such a great app. Uh, so I'm riding around, it's sun's coming up, and all of a sudden I see this like weird animal in the middle of this two-lane, uh, like sorry, uh, yeah, two-lane, like one lane each way, uh, I use the term road very loosely. So it was certainly paved or not paved, but certainly um, had bitumen on it, but there's no mm-hmm. line markings or anything that like this. Oh, is, okay. Yeah. It's up, it's up to the, uh, to the gloriously uh, expert drivers in Singapore to just figure out. Yes. Yes, indeed. And there's this strange animal thing. Is that a dog? What is that? And I've got this pretty bright bike light and I'm, I'm waiting for my eyes to catch up to the light. And what is that? And I'm getting a bit closer. I'm starting to slow down because I don't really know what it is. It's in the middle of the road. And it was this mother and baby monkey. And that was probably Whoa. the coolest thing. And it was like it was just before, yeah, it was just before sunlight. There was this mum and baby monkey. I'm not quite sure why they were hanging out in the middle of the road, but they were. And they really did not care that I was there. And I'm sort of going, oh, these guys need to get off this road. 
gently trying to usher them along and they're just looking at me going i mean these were some pretty chilled out monkeys let me tell you oh yeah some of those guys do know uh, how to chill yeah <laughs> so i left them and i'm going well, that is phenomenal that i i got to experience that uh other things i've also seen some very strange stuff i remember I think, I don't know who it was that I asked. I was in Singapore and I said, where's a good place to ride? And I rode out to this area and it turns out that this particular area, even at like 6.30 in the morning is like some kind of hooker hotspot. Uh, oh, that was surprising. Sure. That was, that was, that was surprising. <laughs> um, that's, that's, so that's where somebody told you to go was to yeah. like the prostitution district pretty much i don't think their intention was for me to uh go to the hooker district apparently there are some nice rides through there i didn't get to experience that i did get to see the prostitutes wow. and i uh, found that quite odd and looked for it looked for another route home but hawaii is probably my favorite ride uh in terms of riding away from home so around waikiki in particular for me and as you just mentioned my family and i were just there and it's a bit of a schlep taking the bike along with two small kids as well and and my wife and i oh yeah but yeah i remember three years ago it may have been the first i think it was the first time yeah three four years ago it was the first time that i took my bike to hawaii and I got up super early, like five o'clock in the morning, and I wanted to do the uh, what's called the RTI around, oh, RTI rather, um, around the island ride. Whoa, and around Oahu? Around? Well, it's it's not really. It's like a, a no. It, so it should be around Oahu. It, in reality, it was about a hundred and it's pretty decent. Like it was about a hundred and. 30 140 k's it sort of cuts across the middle yeah. at some point so it's, it's not the full thing but it's it was a big ride i knew yeah. it was a big ride i knew it was going to be hard i had no idea quite how hard until i i was doing it uh and there was this one point which is towards the end so i'm i mean this was five hours of bike riding plus oh good lord and i'm guessing a lot of elevation changes so many elevation changes which are which is beautiful on the way down but horrible on the way up uh yeah. And, oh, man. and there was this hill. So towards the end, I don't know the name of this hill, but towards the end, there's this enormous peak uh, uh, that I had to climb. And it felt like I was just climbing forever. Like I was just, you know, you sort of, you get into a bit of a rhythm where you're just you know, grinding it out. You know, you find, you find your, you know, your Zen place where you can continue to function and continue to pedal, but it's still pretty, still pretty painful. And I, I get to the top and, I was so delighted to see that that then I went downhill, and I off I went shoom, down the hill, and I had never been that fast on my bike in my life, knowing nowhere, having no idea, apart from my trusty Garmin where I'm going, which uh, riding at. So I think from memory, and I've still got that ride on my Garmin. I think from memory, I topped out at about. I want to say about 85 kilometers an hour on oh, my bike. Oh my God. Holy yeah, shit, 85. Man. 85 you you must kilometers. have unusually large testicles. I They were pretty small. Uh, certainly so was my buttocks at that point or the oh, thing in between man. at that point. So I remember thinking... Like I'm, I'm flying down this hill. I looked at the, at the little, like I quickly flashed to the Garmin computer because I knew I was going pretty quick. And I looked down and I was climbing, like it was going faster, 60, 70, 75, 80, you know, and, I, and I'm looking at it going, I like 
put, applied a little bit of pressure to the brakes just to see if that did anything. Yeah, if um, it has any effect whatsoever, if they yeah. just set on fire and just like, nope, yeah. you're screwed. <laughs> exactly. And I knew that if I needed to stop in a hurry, like I just knew I was in, I was, this was it. Like I was either going to make it and be fine or this was my last ride and last uh, five minutes of my life. Oh, and I was, I was petrified. So I'm riding down this hill. It was pretty bumpy as well. So my bike is like, oh, I'm really, so I'm really praying that my bike is going to be in, in one piece and make, take me through it. I really slowly start to, so I, I was, I enjoyed it for about 2% of the time. I enjoyed it um, because it was so much fun and fast, but most of it was fear. And I'm like gently applying the brakes for a little while, just trying to, you know, just trying to wipe a bit of speed off here and there occasionally. And this thing, I mean, it was, this descent just kept going, 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 going. Oh my God. Then fortunately towards the end, the, the, um, um, the, the, uh, the descent, sort of started to plateau out and I was able to gather it, gather its thoughts back into a meaningful speed and slow down. And, and I was, you know, story turns out that I was okay, but that was petrifying. Uh, I did like most, uh, red blooded males get to the bottom and think I would love to have done that again. Now knowing that I was, po- it was possible for me to do it and not break to see what would happen. Oh God. Yeah. See if you can hit the triple digits. Exactly. How was but, how was yeah. the stability? I mean, because because I know, so I'm I'm not really a bicyclist, but I I do have um, a fair bit of experience on motorcycles, and and on motorcycles mm. there's a uh, a stabilizer that's often used to uh, to keep the front end of the bike from wobbling and and kind of getting out of control, um, kind of like nice. like I know I know on the motorcycle world you call it head shake, um, yeah. and and once that starts you're screwed, like you're you're done, you're going to crash. Basically, yeah. um, I mean, there's yeah. a few exceptions, but is there is there such a thing in the bicycling world? And 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 was it was it stable on the way down? There is not such a thing that I'm aware of, um, but there is such a thing in terms of. Um, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's common practice to be hitting towards triple digits on a, on a on a bicycle, but. Um, yeah, I, it was, it was because the road was a little uneven, like any, uh, it felt like any imperfection. So when, when you're cycling, normally you keep a reasonable eye on the road surface and, you know, you can uh, ideally try and avoid any potholes or whatever. This was based on the speed I was going. I didn't have time. I mean, I was hanging on for dear life. I didn't have time to, you know, Hey, watch out. There's a pothole there. Fortunately, there weren't too many corners. It was pretty, it was, it was, it was reasonably forgiving from a, from a cornering perspective. Um, but it felt like it, it wasn't wobbling at the front, but it just felt the whole bike was, I didn't know if it was the bike or the surface, but it felt like I, I was pretty happy that the bike was in one piece. And so was I at the end of it. It felt like, okay. uh, you know, one more bigger hole and I was, I would have been cactus. Yeah. Cause every single stressed component, every, every bolt, every hub, yeah. every, I mean, it just was just at max capacity, I would imagine completely completely and keep in mind most of that bike was made up of carbon fiber so you know um yeah i i think it, it earned its keep that day man that is uh i'm just i'm i i don't know if i'm sweating from the humidity here in Kauai or from your story or both but i'm definitely sweating after that one <laughs> that's, nice oh man that's uh i've always wondered that i see these guys going at, at what looks like great speeds and probably nothing near the speed that you were doing on, on road bikes with thin tires and just, 
I, uh, I mean, more, more power to you. It's, that's, uh, and, and like you said, once you're going down, like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to like grab the brakes cause they're just going to, they're just going to be done. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it was, it was something else. They're actually introducing, there's a lot more road bikes coming out now with, um, disc brakes. So it doesn't use the rim of the wheel and it uses a, you know, dissimilar to motorbike racing. It'll use a, a disc, uh, hydraulic disc brake. So that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, seems like they might handle, uh, I, I guess maybe depending on how it's designed could handle more stress. Yeah. Um, yeah. well, so, so switching away from, from bikes, um, if you, I, I like, I like to sort of see kind of where, where folks go with this one. Um, if you kind of think of the best experience that you could imagine while traveling and, and it was one that you could, uh, potentially share with uh, with your wife or your kids or a friend um what what would that experience be like what's the dream trip and and it could be one that you've had already or one that you um that you still have on on the to-do list mm-hmm. good question uh what and, pops to mind sorry you go well i was just gonna i was gonna say it doesn't even like it could be more than even just the place right like it could be the experience could be all the little minutia of, uh, of the daily, you know, breakdown in terms of the, the a place with the coolest bed or with the best, you know, breakfast or, um, whatever, however you want to cut it. Got it. Got it. Like it. Um, okay. So with two small kids, so Aaron who you've met is six and, uh, Madeline who is nearly two. Um, my wife, Mickey, who of course, you know, and I, it's tra- traveling with two small kids and a bike is tough. Uh, <laughs> it is tough from a logistic perspective. It's tough from a, uh, sitting on the plane, trying to keep everyone quiet and, and calm and relaxed perspective. Uh, and that in and of its own right kind of limits the distance, particularly that you, that you, that we are willing to travel. Some people that don't mind, they just, you know, they'll do, they'll do whatever and, and go, go for it. Yeah. Uh, for us. And I think that that is, it, the first time that I went to Hawaii, so Mickey had been there before, was uh, when Aaron was about 18 months. And I remember getting off the plane, getting to the hotel and thinking, wow, this looks a lot like um, the uh, the Gold Coast in Australia or, the, uh, or um, in the state of Queensland, which is about a two-hour flight from Sydney. And I, I remember at first I, I'd sort of pictured this, not too dissimilar to the uh, the view you just showed me of where you are. I'd pictured this more of a tropical island piece, and you know that we were in in Waikiki. And uh, disappointed is not the right word, but I, it was different to what I'd expected. Now, yeah, because yeah, Waikiki you know, is now, is uh, it's got tall buildings and it's it's um, a proper like cityscape, basically, right, with a beautiful yeah. beach next to it. Completely, completely. So. Yeah, it wasn't that I was disappointed. It was just different to what I'd expected to, to see. And, you know, hey, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we just came back from what was my, I want to say about fifth trip, fifth or sixth trip to Waikiki. And the reason we keep going back is, and it's a couple of reasons. So it is easy with kids. It's kid-friendly. It's safe. It, there's lots for everyone to do from, you know, and I think going back to your question of what would my ideal holiday look like, I feel like we're probably, 
I'm sure it will evolve as the kids get older. Um, but right now, my perfect holiday is going to is going to Hawaii. Is going to Waikiki because I feel like we get to do. It's it's so versatile. So you know, you want to go into rainforest. Yep, you can do that. You want to have access to shopping and things like that. Uh, yep, fantastic. You know, usually you know better prices than than in Australia. Even though a lot of Americans think uh, Hawaii is very overpriced on certain things, for Australians, it's it's normally pretty sharp. Uh, yeah, that's true. And, it, is, it is. As an American, it is an expensive place for me. So, but but I see what you're saying because Sydney's like super expensive too. So I guess so relatively, it's cheaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's lots of stuff for the kids to do. I we we normally stay at the same place. So we normally stay at Hilton Hawaiian Village uh, in Waikiki. Which, if you have kids, is fantastic. If you don't have kids, I probably wouldn't recommend going there. Um, just because just there's lots of kids or, or what? Exactly. Cause there's so many kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I, I th- when I think back to, or oh, sorry, when I think of the experience that we have, the service there is never amazing. Uh, uh, like the entry. So in terms of what makes up for me an, an amazing experience is, you know, transfers to from my house to the airport done with, uh, you know, that are on time, that bag bags fit, everything's neat, the kids are, you know, safe and capsuled up, check. So I've got that part nailed. I've got a, uh, a friend of mine who are, uh, who's a driver who I use to does a job and that part, that part's nailed. So from a oh, consistency man. perspective, on time, bang, 100% perfect, that piece to and from the airport kicks kicks ass dude so i i've failed on that one so many times i just could never find a reliable transportation company so i'm I'm with you on that one man getting that locked down is it just makes life so much easier doesn't it doesn't it i'm completely happy and comfortable to do online check-in prior Uh, my experience with that is it really it really works as well as it could or should yeah Um, but uh, yeah an ideal experience for me is that i've I've gotten off the airport. I'm already checked in. I've been able to choose a seat. You, you tell me how soon I can, how far away from flight time I can online check in, and I'll, you know, hopefully get an, a seat that I that I like. Um, that I've, you know, I've gotten to the airport, gotten my bags checked and through customs pretty fast, and I, I don't particularly need to go and hang out in an airline lounge for hours on end when I'm, particularly if I'm traveling with my family. Um, so, you know, that, that, experience bang onto the plane has happened, you know, without too much fuss, pretty quickly, pretty simply, no glitches, off you go. Then on the plane, I think for me, I am not someone that needs to bug the air hostess or host, um, relentlessly. I, you know, I, I do my own thing. I've usually got, uh, an iPad with music books and whatever on it that I'll listen to. If it's an overnight flight, I'll sleep on it. Um, my children, so Aaron certainly who's six is certainly fine traveling overnight and with iPads. Our little one was fine. This is the most recent flight, which was handy. And nice. you know, I, I don't need a lot from, from a airline hostess, but I would love to get to a place I've had lots of different variations of that where, Hey, if I need, you know, if I need a blanket or something, an extra blanket or a blanket for my kid, if I ask that it's not, you know, <laughs> it's not met with enormous amounts of adversity. Um, well, don't, don't fly in any, uh, any airlines that are us based in that case. Cause yeah, they'll just, they'll just, I mean, if you ask him for anything, it's just the worst thing you've ever done. 
<laughs> you may as well start smoking a cigarette on the plane. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you'll get a quicker response time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then I like, again, similar to, to the, the hotel check-in. So the, the trip that we were just on, it was a very interesting case study, exactly that point. So 50, let's say door-to-door, 15 hours, getting the car from, I can't remember which car, I think it was budget hurts one of them this time and that process was pretty horrible um it was a long 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 wait and it's uh, you know after flying overnight with kids everyone's pretty tired anyway so we got the car we drive to yeah. the hotel which is a you know, 15 minute drive beautiful hotel amazing huge entrance and uh significant um what they call it service gate or, or, or foyer and there were like spots for 16 people on the on the check-in desk and there were three yeah. people, three people on it, and this huge, huge line. And that's just, the kind of at thing that, that point, f- they're just messing with you. Like we could <laughs> have sixteen, <laughs> but nope. <laughs> <laughs> we could, and in fact, potentially later today we might, but not for you. Uh, I find that sort of thing frustrating. So for me, if I, uh, it's not necessarily frustrating for anyone, but with particular, no, I was going to say particularly with traveling, but no, same if I'm doing it for business. If I have to wait a really long time to check in, it puts a bit of a sour taste in my mind. Like the room and everything else is going to have to work extra hard if that check-in process has been, if I had to line up and wait for a really long time. So Dude, couldn't was, agree I more. Mean, and, and, and it's just negligence on the hotel's part, especially in, in a holiday spot where they could easily ask you and maybe they have asked you for your flight information and they know how many people are arriving at a certain time. Like, yep. it's not that you hard. Think. <laughs> you would you would have to think and you would have to think that they would have can you imagine the software they would have around crowd management and bookings and you know uh, utilization rates of rooms and you know i'm sure they'd have some kind of software to say um x amount of people check in over this this is the sort of workflow of our of our check-in times and the amount of people what 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 does maximum versus ideal versus minimum number of uh, check-in people look like based on the demand coming in, you know, that they would have to have that. So, or at least if they don't, they should. So yeah, I find that a little bit frustrating, but uh, yeah, then the room, the room for me, I, I like it when everything's kind of clean. Uh, I would prefer the, the thing that I've noticed in recent times traveling is you seem to get either a big room that is slightly older or a very very new room that is crazily small so it, mm-hmm. this is this is not not limited to hawaii this is globally there seems to be a huge shift in uh you know big uh, so huge new hotels that have got lots of little rooms uh that are, that are brand new and beautiful but nonetheless a little room which i'm sure you know i'm sure even that hotel has much larger rooms but the you know the average the average uh room size should be a little bigger i think yeah yeah, I'm with you on that one. All of a sudden, it's like efficiency only matters in the modern day. Like when when hotels were built 30 years ago, it's like, did they not care about efficiency? That's it's just weird, right? Like why why has that changed? <laughs> I know you're right. You're right. And then in terms of the piece on breakfast that you mentioned, yes, so definitely, I want for different things when I'm traveling for personal business. So if I'm traveling for work, particularly if I brought my bike, I, I want to, what I value is speed over taste 
over much over price it's speed so usually i've cycled for way too long i'm i want to have something to eat before i you know before i head into a meeting or an off the office or whatever i value the ability to go down to a buffet you know quickly pluck things from a from buffet inhale it and out get a coffee and out that that to me is is worth a lot and and will actually make me go back or not over over other things with my family normally what we do is have a pretty big breakfast so if we're on our family holiday have a huge breakfast no lunch and then a big dinner so that breakfast if that's going to be one meal uh until dinner time has to be pretty pretty exciting Um, i'd say yeah that's a tough one to pull off but i can see why you do it though because i mean skipping lunch is just a whole set of logistics that now you don't have to deal with exactly exactly so what what uh what sort of like are you loading up on on carbs and just just all i mean i i think i think we should kind of let people know um your your preference and style when it comes to uh to ordering food so (laughs) primarily around appetizers so do you, are you like in a buffet? I would imagine that most hotels lose quite a bit of money when you uh, when you stop through. Is this uh, are you are you going crazy? Like do do the kids uh, think that you're out of your mind or what what uh, what happens there? I think that for your viewers alone, you should uh, you should describe what you've seen in the form of appetizer consumption in the past. Yeah. So let let's say first time you and I met was in Sydney. Uh, mm-hmm. We went to lunch and. We sat down at this Japanese restaurant and we had, I think their menu had six or eight appetizers and then they had a good, you know, handful of entrees and the, uh, the waitress came over and asked us what we'd like to start with. And you just basically just said, yes, you know, and like, yes, this, this, this <laughs> list right here. Yeah. That looks like a good list. Go ahead and just bring that. You know, and she was like, wait, I think she had to actually confirm twice, I believe, you know, like, like, hold on, let me make sure you, you want all of our appetizers. There's three of you here. You want six appetizers. So you guys are just having appetizers today. Oh, no, no. We're, we're going to order entrees. It's just, we just want to get started on something, you know? And so, so we had all the appetizers and then every meal I've been at with you since has basically been the same thing. As long as they have less than 10 appetizers, you basically just get them all. Yeah, um, totally. And, I love uh, appetizers. Oh, I yeah, I, I apparently so. Uh, I I could quite <laughs> happily just have a meal just of just appetizers. Usually, I find because if you get the variety, you get a little bit of everything. Uh, usually, they are the highlight for me of the meal. Uh, at breakfast, mm, my go to. My go-to breakfast when I'm on holidays is a bowl of something pretty ordinary, like cornflakes or you know sultana bread or something, you know, something pretty ordinary from a from a um, cereal perspective, and then follow that up with four poached eggs. Oh, nice! So get yeah. Pro- yeah, get the protein. No toast. So get the protein. So get the carbs in the form of the cornflakes and milk, and definitely is uh, one or two particularly strong coffees. Uh, and mm. then the four poached eggs, which you know, are sort of, it's going to be about what 30 grams plus of protein, uh, which for me is, is good. So yeah, I sort of, as much as breakfast appetizers are dangerous, you know, you're going to end up the size of the house of a house, just eating breakfast appetizers, particularly in, in us breakfast. So you've got, you know, too many little tasty strudels and, um, uh, baked goods as well. So I, tr- yeah. I try and avoid them. 
fair fair point especially on the american side it's uh just a, a bunch of sugary goodness that uh that describes Which is fantastic the, oh yeah totally and, and actually though i think is i think australia has outpaced the u.s for um in terms of an obesity epidemic hasn't it I believe that to be the case. Yes, which is which is bizarre because for a very long time, uh, you know, Australia has been seen certainly internationally as this you know this healthy uh, outdoors lifestyle oriented uh, country, and yeah. yeah, I think the level of obesity is is pretty petrifying, both in you know the. Uh, over 35s, 20s to 35s and, you know, t- teenagers and school kids, which is, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah, man. So I, I feel you on not, not loading up on all the, uh, on all the sugary strudels and all that stuff as, as delicious as they are. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then what, when you guys are actually, so yeah, outside of logistics and so now you've, you've arrived at, at, at the beach or at the, um, the rainforest or whatever. I mean, what's, What's the what's the dream state there in terms of what are you guys doing and and is it is it really like really chilling out or is it is it an activity or um or, or what? I think it's the ability for me. Part of the magic of where I like to be and stay is the ability to do one of all those things based on how I feel that day. So I know that's I mean that's that is the exact opposite of my work life. Mm. which is, you know, normally pretty structured, pretty, you know, back to back all day, every day, uh, has certainly has chaos within it. But in terms of, you know, I get to do what I feel like doing on a given day is usually not the case. So from a holiday perspective, part for for me, part of the, uh, part of my ideal process is waking up that morning, going for a bike ride, seeing how, you know, when I get back, seeing how the rest of my family feel, do, you know, do you guys want to, do you want to do an activity today? Do you want to go and relax by the pool today? Do you want to go shopping today? Do you want to do, you know, uh, a submarine tour or a tour of Pearl Harbor type of thing today? Um, and yeah, sort of pr- presenting an array of options and, you know, taking a pick on based on how you feel that particular day. It doesn't always work out as well as it could. Uh, has, it has some pitfalls like, you you know, if you want to decide to go on a – if there's a decision to, hey, we want to go on a huge car trip to go and see XYZ Place, um, it, you have to do a bit of planning for that one. So that that's, a, you mm. know, on X, Y, on X particular day, let's go do it. But I love the ability to be flexible, you know, and you can break it up as well. So you go right in the morning, let's spend the day at the beach in the afternoon uh, at, at a rainforest or at the shops or uh, at a aquarium or something like that. Have you guys ever done the one where you uh, you all load up into a helicopter with active yes. machine guns and uh, <laughs> no. fire on a fake firing range and then jump out of said helicopter on top of waiting dolphins and then ride away into the sunset? <laughs> Where you're then served numerous, <laughs> numerous appetizers. Like, is that has that ever been on the uh, the agenda? Because that that's what I would have gone for if you yeah. asked me. Like, what's your yeah. favorite thing to do in Hawaii? I'm like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> so no, I have definitely I've never well, I've never actually held a firearm. I know there's a lot of guys holding the firearm signs up and down um, uh, Moana Boulevard there in in Waikiki, but uh, I've never actually yeah. held a firearm. No no desire to. Um, I have been on a helicopter with my son. Uh, we, we went on this, I think it was about a, uh, maybe an hour, hour and a half helicopter ride up, up around, 
various different places around. I've forgotten the name of it. But yeah, up past Diamond Head, checking that out. And that was cool. Like that yeah. was a that was an expensive experience, but a very, very cool experience just to look at it from a completely different viewpoint than you know you otherwise would. I've always wondered if if you don't mind my asking, like what, what do those helicopter rides go for? Because I've never done one. So it was uh with one adult, I think it was something like 350, and Aaron, who was like four at the time, it was about another 150. So it was about, yeah, it was about 500 dollars, which is a pretty big. We haven't done it since, so I've only done it once. It's a pretty big outlay for a, you know, from a two-hour, let's say hour and a half, two-hour uh, uh, trip. Um, certainly a lot in terms of um, uh, a one-off. I want to say money can't buy experience, but clearly with 500 bucks, it can. Yeah, apparently so. I mean, that's uh, no, I really, I mean, I just can't even fathom how awesome a Wahoo must look from the air. I mean, it looks so amazing from the ground. Just having mm. that that perspective must be pretty cool. Mm, for sure. Um, I think I've got one more for you, and then, uh, and then we could probably probably wrap up a bit. So, do you have any embarrassing moments that stand out during your travels, whether they're when you were younger or work or personal, whatever? Like anything that anything that jumps out. Embarrassing moments. Uh, I'm sure. I just sure. Let me think about it. <laughs> you, got a whole, uh, you have a whole list. You just got to pick from one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have to like write five down and prioritize which ones. Uh, I let me just think of embarrassing things. So uh, when I was young, I seem to have gotten a lot better on it now. But when I was younger, I had this. I'm not talking that young. I'm talking like mid twenties. I had this thing where I would regularly, particularly on a plane. I mean the the you know, you're sitting on, on a plane in economy with the, the seats are so tiny and out come the, the trays for whatever horrendous meal you're about to eat. And yep. keep in mind, Australia's a long way from anywhere. So most flights, unless it's domestic, are going to take you a long time. And out comes the tray. I had this, I constantly, this for, for a period of time there, almost guaranteed that I was going to spill either food or coffee on my pants. And yeah, that I found that pretty like a, a, more than once I would, and you're stuck there, you're sitting there and you're stuck where you've got, hopefully it's not hot coffee, but you know, you've got food or, or drinks poured down your pants. You're stuck uh. there waiting, you know, you, <laughs> you are calling for a host or hostess that will never come so they can take your tray away so you can go mop yourself up and then, yeah, up you get, and it looks like you may or may not have just peed your pants. And uh, yeah, uh, that that I've, that happened to me more than on more than one occasion. I want to say like four or five times. Holy shit, man! Uh, four or five times. Oh, yeah, and especially if if if, if uh, right, if everybody's still got their trays, you're, there's no way. Like the the process of of you know if you're sitting, especially if you're sitting by the window, or if you're sitting in the middle, yeah, getting out no, is just how like it's actually almost impossible <laughs> how's everybody going to lift up their trays without spilling on themselves and then exactly but now i now i understand the focus around uh, the level of service from the staff on the plane because of your experiences <laughs> around that it's like i guys i kind of need your help over here like you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think another another real quick one around uh, embarrassing well it should have been more embarrassing for the other person but it was more so for me i was in an aisle seat and it was a long flight. It was, I think I was going to, I think I was going to Germany at the time. 
somewhere. Anyway, either way, it was like a 30 hour uh, flight with changeovers in Singapore, Heathrow, um, et cetera. And this was the Singapore to Heathrow legs. I'd already been, keep in mind, I'd already been on the plane for uh, at least eight, nine, right? Oh, yeah, at least eight hours to Singapore with a, let's say, a two hour stop. And this was a few hours into the next one. So I'd been on a plane for, let's say, a good, a good part of 13, 14 hours at this point. Oh, Matt, did I lose you? Dude, can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Now we're back. I'm not quite sure what happened there. Where did you hear up to? Um, let's see. I lost you. You said you were on the plane for 13 or 14 hours. Yeah. So I'm on the plane for 13 hours. I'm relaxing because I'm in the bulkhead seat, which means I get extra leg room. Happy days. I'm sitting there in the seat, and all of a sudden, this little kid comes running, like steaming down the aisle with his hand over his mouth. And <laughs> I, 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 I turn and I sort of caught it out of the corner of my eye. I see this kid running with his hand over his mouth. And I, I sort of move, you know, <laughs> shift in my seat a little bit further away. And then this kid just projectile vomits all oh, over God. the plane over me it's in my hair it's in oh, my face geez. it's on my clothes it's oh on the wall it's on the ceiling this oh, kid fuck. was like i we probably should have checked him if, to see if he was being exercised at the time and had 666 on his skull this oh, kid just vomited geez. like i had never seen anything i've never seen vomit like that in my life so it should have been embarrassing for him. His mum came in and uh, I came behind and had to pretty much apologise to the whole plane. The plane for the remainder of the 10-hour flight was just rank. Oh, no my amount, God. No amount of uh, uh, cleaning, mopping up with napkins was going to fix that thing. <laughs> and, dude, there's no shower on an aircraft no. and you just got bathed in a kid's vomit. Bathed, bathed. I am in the bathroom mopping up like I couldn't, you, like you can imagine. I've got that thing on hot. I'm using the soap. I'm using, trying to find the little uh, face washer thing, um, putting it in my hair. I'm trying to put my head under the tap, which is very difficult in a Yeah, a that's plane. a little tough, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm wishing that I had a spare T-shirt and shorts and <laughs> everything. So, yeah, that was that was not a good one unbelievable that is so awful man <laughs> that's, that's really really bad yeah. i like that uh luckily we don't know that kid's name so he's he's uh no. he's getting kind of off scot-free on this one since he's anonymous but and that is really imagine that because that's 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 his answer right if we were talking to him hey what's your most oh i got a good one for you you know <laughs> Let me tell you this story. <laughs> I threw up on some sucker in the in the in, in the uh, with his legs all stretched out, looking all relaxed, and uh, that didn't stay yeah, for too exactly. long. Um, actually, you know, I said that was the last one, but I have I have a, an, another quick one actually that just came to mind. Um, if you could recommend a travel tip to somebody that was going to some like long overseas trip for the first time. If there was one yeah. tip that was the most effective thing that you've found, um, that you could give advice on what, what might it be? Ooh, one tip to someone who's going on a long trip for the first time. <sighs> I want to say, well, I'll tell you the contenders and then I'll tell you the winner. The contenders okay. are, 
make sure you've got uh, make sure you've eaten before you get on the plane. Have a great big meal before you get on the plane. Chock full of appetizers, of course. Oh yeah. Uh, so so you want to have at least what are we talking like at least four appetizers? Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Of course. So uh, you want to have a great big meal to avoid having to eat the plain food. Uh, the other one I want to say is drink a lot of water. Yep. It's super annoying. You're going to have to pee on the plane, like not on the plane, but while you're in the air, but you'll feel so much better at the other end for it. Uh, the third one I would say is pack reading and, and music material. So something to listen to, something to read. You may or may not listen to listen to everything and or read any, everything or anything, but the fact that you've got access to it is probably golden. Um, and I think particularly if you're on a long, long, long flight, the, the last one I'd say is make sure you allow yourself to have downtime at the other end acknowledge the fact that after particularly like a you know a 13 or 24 hour flight you are not going to be in the most positive of moods at the end of that process it's unlikely you come out of that uh flight feeling amazing and energized and that you've got a new lease on life and have discovered six new life goals that you want to achieve that day allow yourself to go you know what i'm going to feel incredibly tired and irritable or whatever whatever it is that you you feel when you're sleep deprived and allow yourself time to what what stuff is important to me for me it's check-in if i'm you know we spoke about the check-in process yeah uh when i'm tired i just want to make like let let me i want to go have a shower let me check in if you if i have to wait in line for 30 minutes it puts me in in a pretty crappy state so now they're the contenders. I'd say the winner would be on a long flight, drink a lot of water, because if you don't do that, the other ones are going to be amplified so significantly. Yeah, yeah, because you really do get pretty dehydrated on long flights, right? Just the recycled air and you just come off feeling like mm-hmm. crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I can see that. And, and yeah, and, and with the entertainment stuff, you know, with the stuff to read or stuff to watch or listen to or whatever, I mean... You just never know when you're going to end up on some airline, especially nowadays where everybody's all the airlines are trying to really save money, um, where they're just not even going to have any entertainment. And I've been on some of those flights, even, you know, L.A. to, you know, West Coast of U.S. to East Coast of U.S. kind of thing. Long flight, relatively right, like, let's say five hours where they really should have entertainment. They've got nothing. Yeah, that's Um, not good. And I think, in fact, um um, my brother's flight over here to Hawaii, he flew on Allegiant Air, super discount airline. And that's a good, I think it's a five-hour flight from LA to Honolulu. Yeah, no entertainment, uh-huh. not a thing. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, just, uh, that's that's pretty crazy. But um, yeah, good one, man. Well, hey, it's been fun. Cool. I, I've I've definitely enjoyed it. I hope hope you uh, hope you had fun. Yeah, yeah, um, sure did. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me on your podcast. Yeah, thanks for the time. And uh, so, yeah, this has been episode six of Travel Smart with Matt Ball, brought to you by PackPoint. You can search for PackPoint on the App Store or go to packpnt.com. Thanks for listening. Take care.